And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. You know that phenomenon when you say one word over and over and over again and eventually it loses all apparent meaning? Like, just to pick something we've been talking about pre-show here today, if I just go manatee, 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 <laughs> by the end, what am I even saying, right? It's lost all meaning. I don't want that to happen with the phrase, the Chiefs only play weird games. But if that that we all watched on Sunday does not meet the criteria with flying colors, then maybe we just need to retire the phrase altogether. Because the Chiefs beat the Broncos 27 to nothing, and then the game kept happening. So we'll talk about that here on this edition of Times Are. Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, and yes, you already heard Florida man himself. Uh, Seth Kaiser making his return. <laughs> I, uh, I'd, I'd broken the news to him just before the show. He's apparently been so offline. Man, I, I envy you. That he did not even know about his replacement on the last episode of this podcast. Wow. Uh, getting, getting a little bit of uh, replacement anxiety here, Seth? Any worried uh, about uh, getting jumped for, uh, for an injury or suspension or whatever it is that you're missing the show for? I just... I, my new title is Seth Kaiser, Master of Manatees. Um, I I have been the only time I'm really online is the times I've written a couple articles, and during games I'm in and out, and I've watched the games. But I mean I've been in Florida since the 30th of November, and it's just been it's been unbelievably beautiful. We've had so much fun. We're on we're staying on some canals right now. So my kids and I kayaked with manatees, like wild manatees. I you know what? Um I would just say if someone had touched a manatee on that, it like a manatee if it had swam right up to someone's kayak mm. and that person had the ability to pet it, mm. that would be a once in a lifetime experience. Um had that happened. Nate, do you see any exotic animals? You you have been, as, as far as I can tell, you have been back in Kansas City for all the time it takes to drive back to your house from the airport. <laughs> that is so, correct. So I imagine that you right now are feeling a special kind of ready for podcasting. Sure. And um, I, I love how you put it as, you know, the game was over at 27-0. And when I rewatched it, I was like, man, shout out to Evan Washburn. If someone in the truck would have told me this is the way Travis Kelsey looks at 27 nothing, we can do the post-game show right now. I tried. Beards and I were like, hey, should we just start this thing at halftime or what? It it, it would have never happened. But, man, if this was like the WWE or as yes. I like to say, old school WWF, like Evan Washburn would have just sat next to Kelsey on the bench and said, your thoughts. How you feeling? Are you going to take another snap? How's Chad Hitty been looking in practice? Like, <laughs> like that look of like, <laughs> I know we have to get some more, um, more important, relevant things for the future of the season, but CBS putting Travis Kelsey out there like that. <laughs> Do you think, I really think that was on every tablet from the Denver Broncos sideline. Like, yo, did you see this? Did you see the way this man is looking right now? In our stadium? Uh, well, so. look, when Russell Wilson's first touchdown pass uh, against the Chiefs as a member of the Denver Broncos goes to a member of the Chiefs, that kind of thing oh. happens. Uh, shout yeah. out to Sam McDowell for being the first one to make that observation that I saw during the game. But, uh, guys, <laughs> what, 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 what happened? <laughs> because... <laughs> This this is this is different where the with the the Bengals game and, and really a few times this year we've been able to say something like, Oh, everybody kinda got a hand on the ball in this one, either positively or negatively. 
And in this game, I kind of feel like everybody got a hand on the ball, both positively and negatively, in a way mm-hmm. that that is just sort of confusing, fellas. So, um, Nate, go ahead. You you kick us off from from being there in Denver. You made the trip and uh, got to got to be there for what I imagine was a hilariously strange vibe at twenty seven nothing, and then the yeah. crowd got back into it. I imagine the press box decided to stop playing. Flappy Bird on their phone. It's just the first mobile game I could think of. Stop playing Marvel <laughs> Snap on their phone. The greatest mobile game to grace our world in years. That is a quick endorsement for Marvel Snap in your app store of choice. Uh, not a sponsor. Just the only game I play now on my phone. But so you're you're playing uh, mobile games, and then and then what happens? Yeah. So I, I I wasn't playing you know games on my phone, but I I can't tell you what I was doing at twenty seven nothing. And look, I know nobody cares, but you know. For my fantasy football team, <laughs> we had to make a real decision because, you know, I, I drafted contract year Lamar Jackson to lead to lead my group to the playoffs. And thankfully, he has done that already. But obviously, he had his injury and I needed to start someone. I needed to bring someone off waivers or, you know, off the, uh, the active roster. But um, I started looking at Brock Purdy stats. <laughs> that's that, that's what i started doing because because he was he was out there doing things you know I, the the what happened stuff you you want to know one of the seat one of like the really simple things that happened russ wilson played well like, hey don't say that but i mean he really like he the the, the pass rush was getting home quite a bit he started scrambling it's like he remembered it was weird. It's like he remembered how to play football because I've you, watched you wanna, some of the other games this you, year. You want to know my theory? Oh boy! You want to know my theory? I'd yeah. love to hear your theory. So I need we need to remind people for factual uh, accuracy. Willie Gay gets a touchdown. They go right up and three him out him again. Three and out. Oh. Get off the field. G- g- just get off. Um, at that point, everybody's booing the Broncos offense off the field. Uh, fans are getting up and some people are like, are they, are they, are they coming back? Cause it's, it's not halftime yet. Um, my theory was, Hey, um, I'm gonna get my coach fired today. If I don't, if I don't get it right. Mm. And that, and the second part of that is which I believe is probably the first more than what is going to be the latter here. But hey, you know, all right, man, if I lose, you know, if I'm in a duel with with Trevor Lawrence, all right, cool. Who the guy that was on the field last week for the Ravens? I don't even know that man. You know, like, it is what it is. Like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, capable NFL quarterback. You know, we were just one play away. Um, You know, hey, uh... That Justin Herbert guy is pretty good, but like you know, you know. I mean, hey, we just we just you know again one play away in overtime. Man, you can't be out here doing this to me. <laughs> when we when we play the same position, you you can't be doing this to me. Um, and so I think, I think them being embarrassed, and I, I it's hard for maybe Chiefs fans to wrap their minds around but i really believe oh my goodness people are going to lose their jobs tomorrow and because the chiefs are so good um it actually inspires us in a way that no other team in the nfl has inspired them all season Mm -hmm. enough to mean he would actually start to like run again and use his legs a little because he ran his way out of three or four sacks like the pass rush was getting there, he made some good throws. He I, now, to be fair, like I'm not saying that you know there's not reasons to be concerned about the defense. The defense has been up and down this year, right? We've had some games where we're like, hmm, and we've had some games where we're like, Ugh, you know, to you, <laughs> yeah, like and and, but that that's that's to be expected. You've got a buttload of rookies out there, man, and. That was always to be expected. You got even more rookies than you expected when the year started because I kind of figured Rashad Fenton would be like the third corner yep. or the fourth corner. Yep. But instead, it's like, nah, we got LeJarius Sneed and a bunch of rookies out there. Mm-hmm. Even Trent McDuffie, I guess you could say he got got on that pass interference 
which was apparently a pass interference at that point, but wasn't a pass interference earlier in the game. Like also, again, also can, maybe that uh, touchdown in the corner that that looked probably like that was. I think he ended up getting credited I, for it somewhere. I, Arguable. I, guess. I think yeah, he he clearly someone messed up the call, thinking it was zone instead of man, and it seems most likely that it was that it was him. Yeah. Or that he thought it was man, but it was supposed to be zone, so he didn't right. pass off. Which is right. weird because that's like his thing. He's awesome in that. So it happens. Overall, though, I mean, he was he's been nails. He's been good. Yeah. But like, really, Russ Wilson played well. Judy's a really good receiver. Who he's so good, he's allowed to chest bump refs and stay in games. Which is, <laughs> which hey, I was just hey, like, keep it close, America. Keep it close. Yeah. Hey, no, was, hey. I saw that. And hey. I was just like, man, that is a patient ref. Because most refs, you check scoreboard, score You're, check check scoreboard. Yep, he that ref was like, okay, he's losing twenty seven nothing. This guy has a lot going on right now. I'm gonna give him a minute. And Judy's a good player, by the way. Like he like he's one. He's clearly not thrilled where he's at. He's one like at the trade deadline. I'd have been like, oh, geez, I'd call be like, so uh, I don't know, third rounder. You know why not? And because he's good. I he's would just, I would take I would take Jerry Judy yesterday just to just so we're all unanimous on that. Yeah. <laughs> but I just Russ Wilson started to play better and Mahomes threw three picks. When you th- turn the ball over three times in the course of like five possessions, that it's hard not to come back. And so I get why people are mad at the defense. Like the defense didn't show up the way it should have. Although, you know, they made some stop they made a bunch of stops early and late in the game. There were a couple times they needed stops and they got them. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, it is what it is. It, it if the if the if they'd won that way, like if the Broncos had come out to like a twenty-one nothing lead, the Chiefs eventually won the game, like that with that score, we'd be a little more chill. But it obviously, when you go up twenty-seven nothing, it's weird that it becomes a game like that. Yeah, it, it was just a weird game. Division rivals are always going to be weird. Russ Wilson probably played his best game of the year oh there's no pro- delete probably from that sentence, I mean, sir. yeah yeah i mean he he made some genuinely good plays and throws and i'm fine escaping with a win i actually had someone after the game got very upset with me because they're like you know it just seems like you don't criticize the team much and you just make it like it was like a version of you talk about the good way more than the bad it was hard to not be like they're 10 and 3 man mm-hmm. like <laughs> Like, a there's a lot more sense. good than bad to talk about. Like, what? And I think that's what I said in response. Is like, they're awesome. And they they are... have been for years. Like, what what, what should I write about? Like, oh, my God. Oh, these three losses. God. Oh, they, you know, they almost lost today. Like, that's the first thing I'm going to write after a win. Like, I, whenever there's a loss, I write about something negative the next day. Whenever there's something they win, the first article is always positive. And so, sure, a lot of my articles are positive because they win all the time. And- um, t- Tus- Tuscaloosa fan is back, baby. They are back. Oh, and th- and they're coming for Chris Jones. I, um, you know, I-, I rant on this podcast all the time about Chris Jones, so I won't do it again. But, I mean, I tweeted basically that Chris Jones, I think – made kind of a statement, hey, I'm still here in the Defensive Player of the Year running, because without him, do they win that game? Probably, but maybe not. Because Chris Jones is a stud. He just, he makes game-altering plays. And, like, the first nine replies to it were some version of, oh, yep, he's MIA in nearly every big game the Chiefs have ever played. The 2020 Super Bowl is the exception, not the rule. Um, you know, I think he lost out last week, trade him in the off season. His argument was over at the Bengals when it counted. I mean, someone finally replied to me reading your replies. It seems like Chiefs fans hate all of the team's best players. (laughs) And it's just like, you know, do it against good teams and we can have that talk. Good point. Hey, 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 Seth, he, he, he got a sack against the, it's the Bills. 
I mean, he was he's pretty good in that game. And, oh, yeah, and look. But did he have five sacks? <laughs> did the team win that game or not? Because, by God, it's all on one defensive tackle. That's why the Rams, with Aaron Donald, arguably the greatest player of his generation, on the defensive side of the ball. That's why they've gone 19-0 and 0 every single year. He's got 40 sacks every year. And he's got 500 pressures. Because that's how it works for defensive tackles. That's why, even when, you know, you know this year, Aaron Donald, I mean, they have way less around him. And he's... He's still in the league leaders in sacks, right? He's still in the league. Oh, wait, he's not? You mean at defensive tackle? It matters what's around you? It makes me so mad. And and You're I, welcome, I just, ladies like, and gentlemen. <laughs> You're it's welcome. Just so, it's just so, he is the best player on that defense. By a by wide margin. Wide, <laughs> wide margin. And half of Chiefs Twitter seems to think that Nick Bolton is better than he is. And I like Nick Bolton. I've kind of defended Nick Bolton. What do you know about cameras? Yeah, what do you... <laughs> but I just like... It, this, I have never seen... And it's not most Chiefs fans. And I get it. Like, if, if I've offended you with my rant, I apologize. I'm setting up straw men and knocking them down. Except the problem is those straw men are kind of the arguments. There are, there are people setting up straw men in front of you. I'll, I'll let me at least they, give you that credit. Yeah, and I'm not sure that it's me doing it. I, I really think people are just like, oh, he doesn't do it any big games. Are you kidding? Like, oh, the Super Bowl is the only big game. Did you watch the AFC Championship game that year? He single-handedly shut down two different drives. Oh, that's only two drives. And that, to me, is like, if you say that, well, it was only he only shuts down, like, one drive that game. Defensive tackles don't do that. Defensive ends don't do that. Defensive players don't do that. There's Chris Jones and, like, five other players in the league who do that. And Chiefs fans, he is the – he is – the most hated on elite player I've ever seen with the Chiefs. Like, Have you? S- I didn't. I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt a second of your cooking. I just. Have you seen the videos where it's like this is you, a human being, and then it zooms out, and it's like this is a house, and this is the Empire State Building, and this is a country, and this is the globe, and this is the distance to the moon and this is jupiter and this is star x y caliber 17 and this is the milky way and point a to point z there is actually the distance between chris jones and any other player on this defense it's intergalactic it's intergalactic it's massive now there's guys who maybe could get there at some point but chris jones is a super duper star and he's one of the only players i can think of that other than like, you know, well, no, he's the only player I can think of where the national media holds a Chiefs player in much higher regard mm. than the Chiefs fan base. And by and large, the Chiefs fan base loves Chris Jones for the most part. This is just a vocal, but it's like, it's not like a vocal 1%. It's a vocal like 15, 20% that really think that Chris Jones doesn't show up in big games. And, and it's just like, has he had big games where he didn't have a huge impact? Sure. That is true of literally every defensive player who's ever lived. And the reason you might notice is because, wow, the Chiefs sure have played in a lot of big games. And one of the reasons they've been able to play in a lot of big games is because they've won a lot of games. One of the reasons they've won a lot of games is because Chris Jones takes over entire drives. And it just the, – the the lack of help in the pass rush, the whole thing, it, it just makes me crazy. I, I, I just – I've never felt the need to fight so hard for a fan base to recognize how good a player is and to not just be, it's not really about Chris Jones. It's about an entire way of viewing football. This is like when no, people call him, said, call him stupid. Hey, call him stupid. Just call him stupid. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not saying that. No, no, no. I'm saying no Tuscaloosa <laughs> fam wants to spend his hard on money on some recruit that <laughs> isn't going to help us win the sec, but Hey, you want to be a part of it. So, Hey, go <laughs> I ain't telling you how to spend your money, but like, you know, just by the way, uh, God, who knew we were going to get things off our chest? I feel about 50% of how Seth feels about fans talking about Steve Spagnuolo. Like he's not, I don't know, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. But hey, 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 if that's how you want to energize the the program with your money, by all means, (laughs) sir, keep on, keep on. Put money in the programs, uh, NIL. Uh, I yeah. Nate, account. since you brought, since you mentioned his name first, I do want to know why is Steve Spagnuolo not out there on the field tackling players? 
Because I think Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, I think, would do it. Given the opportunity, I think Mike Vrabel would go out there and just tackle Jamar Chase or just try to take the knees out of Jerry Judy, you know? You, I'm not yeah. saying he's got all the heat, but why isn't Steve Spagnuolo out there trying to physically bring guys down? <laughs> you can say that. You can say that Mike Vrabel has better collection of players on defense this year. Statistically, that may uh, align up with exactly what I just said. And they got absolutely flame-broiled by the Jaguars <laughs> yesterday. Okay? Which, hey, common opponent. Guess what? Chiefs didn't get flame-broiled. Okay? So, hey, man, if you want to be pantsiered, okay, well, hey, sometimes Spaz gets pantsiered. <laughs> but that's an NFL team! Like... I don't know. And, and as Seth mentions, it's a bunch of rookies. It's a bunch of guys on the rookie contracts. Uh, by the way, the season's just entirely too long. Because I think this is where most of these thoughts come from. It's just like, we have to wait another four effing weeks for for, for postseason football. Uh, so I, I understand, ladies and gentlemen. You may have like some opinions. You may have These takes are hot because we have to wait four more weeks. Which I think for all of us, biologically... Our body clocks are not, they're just not set up for 18 weeks. It is 18 weeks of high level football, let alone the players. So, hey, you know, um, Steve Spagnuolo got, got really, I thought, twice in the game. And if your defensive coordinator gets got twice in the game, then he's really not a problem. Like, he's just, now, hey, you wouldn't want those plays to translate to 66 yard touchdowns for screens, but it's like this, you know, just watch the Chiefs offense, man. They do that way more than the other side in 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 honest assessment. But but go on, Seth. He's he is a clear defensive player of the year candidate. He will not win the award. And uh and do it in the playoffs. Yeah. And Seth, answer me this, Seth. Answer me this, Seth. Since yes. you're since you're such a big smart lawyer guy, why hasn't Chris Jones done it in the playoffs this year? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a tough question that he's gonna have to answer i think I, you're gonna have to answer it here you got you got chris jones up on the stand go ahead lawyer boy defend him I, lawyer well, boy <laughs> i think i <laughs> when, when, well isn't it true mr jones that the playoffs have not yet occurred <laughs> why hasn't chris jones sacked josh yes. allen and joe burrow in january 2023 why i know i know and that's, it's probably because, well, you know, the big thing, and I've really thought on this, people genuinely think when he gets doubled or, and really the term double is used too much. It's generally speaking, just sliding protection his way, right? Which results in a double often, but not always. Um, when that happens, Jones will, depending on the snap and depending on what the initial look is. He'll, if he can't split it right away, he stops fighting it, and he looks to swat passes down. That's why he swatted so many passes down throughout the course of his career. He's good at it. And Dunlap and Karloftis are too. That's one niche that they're kind of like, oh, okay, that's nice, right? They're good at that. Um, I had so many people, oh, why is he giving up on the play? I'm like, that is not what's happening. And I think that's what makes me so frustrated about it is it's not just about Chris Jones. I'm a big believer in truth. And this to me isn't like a, well, okay, well, I'm smarter than you. And I think Chris Jones is good. Therefore, he's good. If you want to think that Chris Jones isn't good, that's fine. I, I just think that the reasons that are given when they don't comport with, uh, what's the word? Reality. Like the way the game works. That makes me frustrated because I feel like it's like my job to be like, hey, this is how the game of football works. And is Chris Jones Aaron Donald? Nope. But no one is. Chris Jones, like, just talk to Brandon Thorne about Chris Jones. Talk to, to, to Duke Mannyweather about Chris Jones. Talk to Mitch Schwartz about Chris Jones. Talk to the people that focus on the offensive and defensive line. Talk to, to Nate Tice or Robert Mays about Chris Jones. Talk to those guys and ask them what they think. Because they're not Chiefs fans. They're not fanboys. They will be like, oh, God, that guy's so good. Um, um, because um, um, Seth, just, just walk me through the last play for the Broncos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The last play for the Broncos was Chris you mean, Jones. You mean when the Jarius some... Sneed made a great play? <laughs> <laughs> when Chris Jones... Which he did, which he did. Hey, he did. hey, sometimes. No, no, no. Hey, 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 I saw Jimmy Gump in the first quarter. Dog. You got it. Yes, you got to field it. You gotta, I, look, I'm not taking that for granted ever again. <laughs> yeah, you do have to field it. And no, Chris Jones, he is someone who has ended so many drives 
just by being a stud. And so I appreciate you guys letting me cook on that. But it really is it's, – it's not about Chris Jones. It's about the way the game works and understanding what's a reasonable expectation, what's not a reasonable expectation. Um, and with Spagnolo, one thing I would note. I like Steve Spagnolo. I think he does some things really well. I do find some things he does frustrating. And at times, I think I like Steve Spagnolo the schemer more than I like Steve Spagnolo the scout. Because I feel like the guys Spagnolo likes in his defense are not always the best players. Like, you know what I mean? He mm-hmm. likes guys that he views as really cerebral and views as, you know, they'll execute his system really well. And at times I feel like playmakers fall by the wayside with him. That's my only gripe with Steve Spagnuolo. One, one example where you are seeing positive returns or starting to see positive returns is actually Willie Gay. Um, yep. Willie Gay after the game, and I, I'm sure you heard it, uh, as well, Josh, but yes. it was probably the most fascinating detail afterwards where Willie explains, well, no, I'm blitzing on that play the whole way, but I actually stopped blitzing so that I create enough distance between me and Russell Wilson so that I can get my hands on the ball. And then, as he said, luckily it just fell into my into my lap. And obviously he, you know, he had, an, you know, probably the most spectacular play individually for a defensive player this season when you consider awesome. everything that was in, in account. And it was on, a, I think the play was fourth and two. Um, so he's, he's supposed to crash down. But to Seth's point, he is cerebral enough to understand I've seen either this on film or I know someone's leaking behind me. And to cover up for my other teammate who's trailing, I need to be in the passing window. Um, so, yes, Seth, he wants freaks who are also high-level thinkers in real time. Now, getting right. 11 of those to do that play after yeah. play after play, <laughs> I can see your issue. Your issue yeah. is very, very granted. Yeah. Or warranted, it's, it's, I should say. Yeah, it's kind of a good luck with that. There are some defensive coordinators, like you know, like Vic Fangio can find guys with specific skill sets and plug them into different areas and make the sum of the parts. Uh, Spagnolo it's partly it's it's partly very player driven and, and that's fine i mean that's true of almost everyone well it is true of literally every defensive coordinator but i think it becomes really easy and i i have to i have to go here shortly we're gonna go walking on a beautiful evening and get some ice cream i was gonna warn you that you are now already several minutes removed from when your I'm wife is already gonna over. be mad at you so if you want to talk yes. about Mahomes, i wanted to let you do that but i also want so, you to like continue being married or whatever i'll do i'll do two things Fans tend to blame coaches when things go wrong. Yep. Other than True. individual things. True. And oh man, and most, she and just most... opened and shut the door. Ah! <laughs> oh. <laughs> She's looking at me. Oh um, no, this is like the no, shining. Fans, uh, yeah, fans fans, to... fans blame coaches unless Chris Jones is on the field. Go ahead. Yeah, unless Chris Jones is on the field. <laughs> and, but like even like people were like saying, and and not just oh. some people, like I mean, there were people saying, like, oh, Andy Reid's letting his foot off the gas. That's why they're coming back. I'm like, you think Andy Reid told Mahomes to throw those pants? Like, <laughs> What? Actually, actually, they never gave the ball to Ronald Jones. Like they yeah, never they gave just, it to him. They just and, and now Reed did some things that drove me nuts in this yep. game, and, and we'll talk about it. Maybe, we'll cover some of those. We'll we'll cover a couple of those. You, you guys go over those. Put yeah. Isaiah Pacheco on the field on your last drive of the game. I like Jerick McKinnon, really good pass catcher. But let your closer close that run. That was like that right there. Put that man on the field when you have a lead, and let him grind their will to live into dust. That's a that's a uh, that's a, a gear they need to find. Second, but but blaming coaches, it becomes an easy out because people blame coaches for both schematic failures and execution failures, which means there's literally nothing to blame players on unless they're Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the other thing I was just gonna say, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I wrote about Patrick Mahomes after the game just because, yes, he threw some bad picks, but he also I don't even need to talk about that basketball like that was the stupidest thing i've ever seen someone do on a football field and i mean that in the most complimentary way possible i it was just and it was so great that he threw a touchdown where he was literally being tackled by two guys with one more about the, and people barely blinked yep and there's an argument there's an argument that neither of those are the craziest plays he's had against the broncos i know <laughs> he is so unique and so i would just say this to cheese fans 
if it seems like I'm kind of glossing over some of the problems, because there were some problems there. They got to work through some stuff. Every team does. There's no one dominant great team in the NFL this year. There's just not. The Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender, a strong one. That's great. They've got some stuff to work through. But make sure you don't miss out on the Mahomes experience and the Travis Kelsey experience and the Chris Jones experience every time they take the field. Because if you're sitting there worrying about divisional standings, if you're sitting there worrying about the scoreboard, and, and yes, you, you do worry about those things, but don't let it completely overtake you. Because the really, really awesome things in life and in sports, they don't last forever. And if you're worried about, you know, when you got a manatee peeking out of the water at you and you're worried about what your camera's gonna do, you're missing it. You are missing a moment. You know, when you're, when you're, your kid is doing something really, really cool and you're thinking about what you're doing at work the next day, you are missing it. Yeah, you're there. You're not missing all of it, but you're missing some of it. And those moments, you should take every single ounce of them because they don't last forever. Man, my 16-year-old is four inches taller than me. He's huge. Wow, he's 5'7 already? Oh, shut up. <laughs> but, I mean, it, you just, those things don't last. And... And the reason I feel so passionate about that is because when I watched Jamal Charles, I missed it. And I will probably never see a player like him again. Dalvin Cook is like 85% of Jamal Charles. And, and if you miss it, you can't get it back because highlights aren't the same. It's not the same as watching it snap in and snap out. You know what I mean? So just remember that. And in the interest of not missing it, I'm going to go walk on a beach with my family. And, uh, I will see you fine folk soon. How's that sound? That sounds beautiful. Thank you, Seth, for uh, Ziggity, for being Thomas. here. Appreciate you not ranting about Chris Jones, which you promised <laughs> to do um, mere minutes into the episode. And then yep. that yep. No, that's take, that's take, <laughs> take it easy, fellas. That's, no, that's, <laughs> that's good stuff. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, and, and let's let's stick with Mahomes here for a second, Nate, because here's here's my like here's my real quick take on the whole thing from the Mahomes side. And I I, I want to talk about the defense. I want to talk about the decision making from Andy Reid. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that I do think are like legit um, noteworthy issues. Um, Patrick Mahomes is the reason that this game was uh, close by the end because three picks and a couple of short fields that those those were times the defense was immediately put in a bad spot. They didn't do much to stop the bleeding. I, I've got another metaphor for you later. But <laughs> but this game was sort of, in my mind, like this was the fan fiction that, that draft analysts were writing in, in early 2017 oh. to say, oh, he's going to make some crazy plays where he looks like a point guard on a fast break and he throws a touchdown from midfield that way somehow to Jarek McKinnon. He'll do the pirouetting in the red zone, but then he's going to have some real boneheaded mistakes where he doesn't dirt a ball hard enough or he forces a throw or I can't remember what his logic on the third one. Oh, the bad, bad one is what he called it. Yes. Um, the, that's what draft analysts, not all of them, of course, but many draft analysts were saying the future of Patrick Mahomes is going to be. And then he has definitively not been that guy Um, that that's kind of just what I saw yesterday. I mean, if you want to do anything on the cause of all of it, that's one thing. I just, I am deeply unconcerned about it being a pattern. So I'm just kind of looking at it and almost chuckling a little bit because it didn't end up costing them the game. And that, that matters. Right. Patrick Mahomes' three interception games are different from just about every other quarterback's three interception games. Um, you know, there's the one 
in Los Angeles against the Rams. Mm. And there's also the one against the Dolphins in Miami, a game that they uh, still won by double digits. Um, they they had a chance to win yesterday's game by double digits. Um, the biggest concern is that a month ago, or almost a month ago, Josh, Patrick identified this. Like, hey, can I just take the one bad play out? Which is asking a lot because the high are so high um, in terms of what he's capable of. But, you know, can I take the one bad play out? And it's like outside of, I mean, I guess you could say there was one even in the Bengals game. The Bengals just didn't catch the, the ball. Um, that's been the one issue. So I think for Chiefs fans and for the remainder of the season, they may have a turnover that makes no sense. Because mm-hmm. through 13 games, that's pretty much who they are. Um, but Mahomes is so good. And I hope this makes sense, Josh. Mahomes is so good that he doesn't take sacks. When you try to explain that, like, it's okay to take a sack. <laughs> like, it is It is amazing that, like, he knows pretty much where everyone is. He doesn't take sacks. He wants to continue to, you know, be aggressive with the football, which is more or less fine. Um, but I, I just get the sense that um, he feels that he's going to have to pretty much be ruthless in a way. Um, that's, that's I think, still hard for him to truly know how to how to handle when he does have a big lead. Um, and so if the defense isn't playing well, or if the defense is playing well, he really put a lot of the burden on himself when he didn't necessarily have to. Um, but the Broncos are a good defense. So if he feels like this is what it takes to uh, outperform the other side, um, then it's it's hard to necessarily say that was a bad game because of all the things you just referenced earlier. And yet you hope that it's just one of those moments, not three of them in the games that will matter more as we get closer to like January, because when he plays the Bengals again, or when he sees the bills or who knows, even the jets, um, if they were somehow to make it in, those defenses are going to make it be pretty hard. Um, which means he needs to be excellent. But I think with the excellence this season, it it has forced him uh, into making some decisions where it's like, you don't need to be that excellent. Um, But I just, you know, despite yesterday, he still had a very good QBR. Yeah. (laughs) And and I know we mentioned earlier, but Nate Tyson, Robert Mays were like, well, he's still the MVP. I'm like, guys, it's week 14. And he threw three picks, and they're like, "No, he's still the MVP." Like, no, what are you talking about? Who care? Who cares about what the odds makers adjust? No, he's he's still the best quarterback in the league. And it's like, yeah, because he threw three pretty, um, pretty exquisite touchdowns. That whole conversation in today's athletic football show is uh, is worth the time. As I continue to try to just weave in, I, I weave in an athletic football show plug, not just like on the radio show and here on a weekly basis, but also just in my real life. I just start sentences with, I was listening to the athletic football show. Uh, so that's, that's a, a good, a good pull there. So yeah. since, since we are, you've already levied your, your defensive Steve Spagnuolo. I think I've showed my <laughs> hand that I'm, I am more worried about the players than the coordinator. Even as you said, he got got a couple times perhaps. And yeah. um, Seth, Seth has his, you know, lack of enthusiasm. I, I generally love Steve Spagnuolo. That's partially because I love the press conferences and the way that he talks <laughs> about his defense. Um, but I, I I would say not exactly. Here's here's where I ended up on the defense altogether. It is really frustrating to end up letting the Broncos team back into this game. In fact, here's my big metaphor. Here's my big analogy that I, I think is just sort of how I feel about where this game went. And it goes back to a car. Because last night on the postgame mm. show and then today during the, the show on A10, um, we fielded calls that both accused the Chiefs of taking their foot off the gas uh-huh. and calls that accused them of not taking their foot off the gas enough. 
Wow. Why not give it to Pacheco more often and kind of milk the game out? Or why get so conservative and not put your foot on their neck? Now, I I don't think that this game was about the gas pedal. If, if anywhere, I would say it's that Andy Reid does not have the killer instinct specifically on those like fourth and short kind of coin flip go situations. I think if he's more aggressive in those spots, the Chiefs are a better football team. I've made that case before. It's some of it's just math. Some of it is Patrick Mahomes versus Harrison Butker or Tommy Townsend. I digress. I don't really want to talk about that for 20 minutes or, today. Or I don't respect these dudes enough to even go for two. Yeah, that one. He I, he didn't. He didn't. By the way, this was in the Monday. Uh, or yeah. His after the game. I've actually looked at the film now. Um, press conferences on Monday, like around noon or ish in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in central time. I mean, that was his answer. He didn't say that, but that was his answer. Yeah. Well, you know, we got up and uh, I didn't really, I didn't really think about that. I e, I don't respect them dudes to go and to go and score thirty five on us. I, he said something like, "If that would have been in the fourth quarter, if we would have scored again, maybe we would have done it." Something like that. I right. took that to mean if it was later in the game and things were getting tighter later, maybe they would have gone for it. Which, to so, your point, pretty conventional. That's that's the, it, it, conventional is the word I've been looking for all day, honestly. Andy Reid wants the games to play out as conventionally as possible until they need to not play out that way. And then he'll, you know, get a little wacky with it. And the offense generally does a good job in those in those spots. Um, at this point, that's not even like a criticism of Andy Reid as much as it is an observation that I just think is pretty factual. He he likes to have a game go according to plan. You, as long as yeah, we like. Do you think the analytics department, Mike Frazier, uh, can tell him um Andy, treat this game like it's a playoff game. I because he's not I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna do that stuff until it's a playoff game or until and, they're in like a real desperation mode. And he didn't even do it early against the Bengals, where it was a lot like a playoff game. So that's but, but, that but, that's where but, it is. But but it wasn't a playoff game. <laughs> right, right. But it all but it might have cost you one. You know what I mean? Like because right, no, and you're at all. I that that's the beauty of this conversation. We are both right. Like if I'm representing Andy Reid and know this man and have a 24 year history of seeing yeah. how he goes through decisions, I'm right. And also, you are totally right. You are completely so, right because um, I don't want to have to come back here, Coach. <laughs> right, I. That, you might have that to come back to Cincinnati. Me. That frustrates me because, seed. like, like I've said before, ninety nine percent of Andy Reid's job I would be significantly worse at than Andy Reid, and most of that ninety nine percent I would be one hundred percent worse at it. This one little thing is is easy enough from the outside, I think, in large part that it just. Seems easy in a way to maximize your team. Anyway, I digress. That part concerns me in the long run because it was an issue last week. If it was an issue this week, it'll be an issue whenever it comes up again next. But I think what happened in this game wasn't about the foot on the gas other than that part of it bothering me. (laughs) Less foot on the gas and more, I I think the car started hydroplaning when Mahomes started throwing those picks. And it was really hard for anybody to kind of get the fishtailing to stop. The, the defense didn't get it straightened out, and Mahomes obviously had a couple of moments where he brought them back in from that. But but it was all while he was driving a car that was absolutely swerving out of control a little bit. And I don't think that's going to be a problem again. I, I don't necessarily even think that's super similar to the AFC Championship game uh, against the Bengals last year. I, I think it was just a different type of kind of a slide or a skid or whatever. I don't okay. think the Chiefs were, yeah. were trying too little. I just think they kind of lost their grip for a second. And because it was the Broncos, they had more time to figure it out and, and restabilize, which is why a, a, a poor ending performance from the defense, or at least in moments there, sticks with you. And you go, oh, that was not very satisfying. Or for Mahomes, you go, wow, some moments of greatness, but three picks kind of put things in danger. Right. I, it, it, I, for me, that, that's where it becomes a, sad, a dissatisfying, kind of frustrating game. While it also isn't necessarily indicative of a bunch of issues I think are forthcoming still. I, I just think it was kind of, to take our own phrase, kind of a weird game. Yeah, and there's the duality of they have to play this team in three weeks. Yeah. Um, and I just wonder how much of this is, you know, from a film study standpoint, how much can we get by, with by and large keeping things simple for the for the young back end in the secondary while also if we are going to have like major change-ups in January, we just can't, I just can't do that right now up 
27-14. So guys just be fundamentally sound and like, yeah. you know, um keep the game in front of you. I I, I wonder again from a big picture standpoint because this team knows it's going to be playing in significant you know career defining games in January to where it's like again I know nobody thinks about Bob Sutton right now <laughs> but one of my favorite things was they went through a dip in 2018 a real dip like they lost to the Russell Wilson led Seattle Seahawks mm. with Check notes, Traverius Ward having his first career first career start. And that game plan was pretty simple. And you know what? <laughs> you know what Russell Wilson did? Cool, dog. I'm gonna throw these dives in your face. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they the, the Chiefs ended up losing the game. But it's like, again, Andy, is that a playoff game? No, but it could like affect your playoff seating. Tell me once again, is it a playoff game? All right, no. So they face the Colts in the divisional round. And one of the best game plans that Bob Sutton had all season was for that game specifically. Hey, Andrew Luck, we not playing man no more, dog. Cool. And that can work in a one-game sample when you've put all this tape together where you kind of lull the team into expecting something that, you know, you've put on tape all season. And so if they're going to do more complicated, complex things with these rookies, well, we got to make sure that you're like, I don't know, structurally sound with like the 100, 200 level course before we get to 300, 400 level for the rematch against Joe Burrow or the rematch against Josh Allen. Because we've obviously can take that experience from just the simple stuff we did, which is, hey, can you be in front of your man? Can you be next to the man? Can you can you can you hold up one on one? You know, I asked a simple question, Josh. Are they gonna double Jerry Judy? They never double this man. And I think you don't double him because why would I put that on film right now? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I mean, I guess that you get some amount of that when you are suddenly up by almost thirty points. Yeah. Um, so what? Let's... So what? You, so what you hope, real quick? What you hope is, if you're doing something similar to what Bob Sutton did against the Colts, it's a have Chris Jones be amazing against a Quentin Nelson type. And hey, pre-snap, that looks that's what, that looks like it would look back in October, looks the way it looked in November, looks the way it looked in January. The receivers are like, dog, what are you doing? Which matches yeah. up timing, which matches up rhythm, and it proved to be Andrew Luck's final NFL game. Yeah. Which by the way, if you haven't if anybody hasn't uh checked out that podcast or uh or, or read that story. Really incredible, like just excellent, bizarre, fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of lots of good reading, listening for your. For Where's your Ryan Grigson? What he doing? Did he read it yet? Uh, that's a good question. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was there was something about Chris Ballard in there also, just being like, "Hey, man." Uh, or no, it was, it was Frank Reich. Oh, dude, hold that. Yes, yeah, Frank Reich. Yeah, yeah. Frank Reich was in there, just being like, hey, "Are you you sure?" Like the text story. Oh God. Anyway, oh, I know. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let me ask you this then, Nate, because this this is a question that I, I think needs to be asked because I think in large part, the, the, the trio of us here have leaned more towards here's what was good and here's what was not great but didn't really matter. 
and that's not the whole story of the game. I, I think the, the in-game coaching decisions, some of those matter and frustrate me. What from this game do you think is a legitimate issue? Will be an issue the next time these teams play? Will be an issue in January? How many blitzes he got left? Because mm. the blitzes are not as effective as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because film. <laughs> so what that what that means is secondary got to be on point when you're not blitzing or if you are blitzing um what new wrinkle or what flavor can you you know just a little bit manipulate so that it's not easy for the quarterback um you know they they beat him with the screen it was right there and when he caught the ball Josh in the press box, oh my God, I, <laughs> I could score a touchdown on this play. And I think Marlon Mack was so stunned, he almost stumbled. <laughs> um, so, hey, the, the you know, how much can the blitzing work as you move further along? Uh, hey, man, um, they need Juju Smith-Schuster. They need McCole Hartman. They need Travis Kelsey. Everybody else is just furniture. Ooh. Well, did, uh, did you take a look at the snap counts by any chance? Imagine you did. You're pretty good mm-hmm. at this. Can mm-hmm. I read you some numbers? Oh, I would love I would love you to 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 share information with our audience that is really relevant as we move forward. This is the one other thing I wanted to mention today, other than just like I just don't know that this team can tackle. And look, Nick Bolton's not going to shed a lot a block against an offensive lineman. I get it, but like. Some things out there made me feel Yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. It would be nice. nice. In this game, Juju Smith-Schuster led wide receivers in snaps taken with 55. That was 81% of the snaps. I'm going to go to the bottom, actually, here. Sky Moore, 27 snaps, 40%. Uh And then Smith-Marset called up from the practice squad. He was out there for three. That's 4% of the snaps. The other two receivers who saw snaps in this game were Justin Watson and Mark Wesbelman Scantling. MVS saw 35 snaps, 51% of the offensive plays. Justin Watson saw 44. That's 65%. Mm-hmm. Juju had 11 more snaps than Watson. He had nine more snaps than MVS. He had, what, eight more snaps than Sky Moore. Right. Um, Sky will have a very specific role. It's it's an unusual rookie season um, for things that we've covered before. And for the fact that, um, unlike Christian Watson, he can't really build as the season goes along. Um, what do you mean? Like, he doesn't know what a snap count's going to be. <laughs> he really doesn't. Like, And, hey, sometimes Juju Smith-Schuster, unfortunately, gets a concussion. Hey, they traded for a guy that, like, you couldn't have necessarily anticipated as a rookie. So, you know, he just doesn't know week to week what he's doing or how much of what he's doing will be asked of him, I guess. Uh, he still struggles a little bit in zone coverage, which is what the Broncos, I thought, did really well um, in the middle of the field. Basically, they got Travis Kelsey, his record, and was like, cool, dog, chill out. Yeah. Like, they, they ran a couple nifty routes for him. Uh, Mahomes barely missed him on that on that corner, which was, I mean, one of the most smooth routes you will see a tight end do in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in the second half, they were like, hey, you know, you're, we'll, we'll get you a few here and there just to move the chains. Um, I mean, I, I feel like they kept it. I don't know. It's weird. Like, I guess all I'm trying to say, Josh, is NVS won't matter as much without McCall Hardman. And that is a bit weird to say because the game that I go back to more and more about, man, how can this offense look at its absolute peak? was against the 49ers. And we're moving farther and farther and farther away from that game. <laughs> yeah. But MVS was killing cover three because Cole Hartman was on the field with Travis Kelsey, with Juju. So, again, we've explained that he's Joey, Joey Gallo, but dudes need to be on base, okay? Like, he cannot be as effective. And I think his, by the way, his route on third 11, my goodness. Um, so, hey, when you need it from him, he can't do it. But he needs he needs 
Juju. He needs Kelsey. He needs either McColl, who knows the whole system, or Kadarius Tony from a skill set standpoint. For MVS to be that, hey, that's a grand slam. You got to also cover that too. Um, but I want I want fans to think about like they put forty four up on the on the San Francisco 49ers. Ain't nobody doing that for the rest of this season. Yep. Um, and I think that's probably their apex moment on offense because everybody was healthy and like you could tell they were starting to like get into a groove. And they just came off of playing a really good defense too in the Buffalo Bills, who have sort of like you know prepared them from a from a focus and attention level for that type of game. Um, but yeah, Juju's super important. Um, you know, uh, I think people can look forward to this. Like, we hope to get to talk to him a little bit more. Uh, later this week, ahead of Sunday's game against the Texans, because um, when you go through with the concussion protocol, you're, you you know you just it takes a while for that person to be made available to the to the media. Um, but like his work on that third touchdown was excellent, and um, McCole Harmon did attend yesterday's game in in Denver. He was very happy. He was probably one of the happiest people in the locker room yesterday. Mm. <laughs> um, he was really happy for Jarek McKinnon, and that was really cool, cool to see. Yeah. Um, he gave he gave some love to uh, to Kelsey for obviously his achievement. Um, it was almost like, can we talk to you, Cole? <laughs> yeah, hey, you gonna come over here? And... You want you want to come talk to us? Well, like you know, um, so he's you know, I guess he could be eligible for next week's game against Houston. I believe I, I, I don't know, there's too many guys to keep track of, but does that make sense, Josh? That like, yeah, three guys matter. Um, and we've now simplified it and I think really defined it. Uh, but it is Kelsey. It is Juju. It is McColl, regardless of what people have said about McColl Harmon in the past. You got the MVS element. And then, um, hey, guys, I know Damian Williams is available. They have found their two-back combo. Um, I agree. McKinnon and Pacheco uh, have been a nice blend of a one-two punch that I think you can ask for in the Andy Reid offense where um, – as Seth said, Pacheco basically running through dudes' faces. Yes. I don't know how long you can continue to do that, but if you can do that for checks calendar two more months, <laughs> <laughs> then then the offense will be as good as it was against the 49ers. And so I understand that that's like the heights that they can go to, but um, I do think we now understand that this is the wide receiver group for Mahomes moving forward with, hey, if somebody goes down, Justin Watson is clearly capable. Uh, I've I've been trying to get that that this offense misses McCall Hartman slash Kadarius Tony take going for a couple of weeks. So you know you know that you don't have to convince me much of that one. Um I also feel pretty good about shortly before the trade deadline. I've mentioned this on the show too. I know I'm just giving myself credit, I guess. Uh but do it. the conversation on the on eight ten that who's the third most important pass catcher in this offense? And and we ended up unanimously agreeing that it was McCall Hardman, which did seem like a kind of a crazy thing to agree on. Um, just because of how his career had gone to that point, he had a couple of good games. It seemed evident. And now here we are looking back and I'm, I'm legitimately thinking that I'm a little bit like I am playoff worried about this offense, about the pass catchers, I guess, without that element that, that Hardman specifically brings and that Tony can do some of at least. So, so so uh, that's a weird one, man. Yeah. So that means if that is the case that Mahomes has to go into ultra mode all the time. Which right. gives you a high reward, but the risk gets a little higher, which is basically what yeah. we saw on Sunday. I think that's a very good way to put a bow on it. We will have another episode later this week. It's going to continue being kind of weird the rest of the regular season where each individual opponent is sort of less interesting than the whole for the Chiefs. Uh, so that'll be true with the Texans as well. And um, maybe interesting, maybe good that they they put up a good performance against the Cowboys, made them seem a little more serious as an organization. but. Uh, we'll we'll be able to look back some more and look ahead to what the rest of the year is going to bring as we go. Nate's already written, of course, the postgame story from Denver up in The Athletic, theathletic.com slash timesars will take you to a spot to subscribe if you're not already. The best gifts uh, to give this holiday season and the best deals for you to sign up yourself. And then also the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com for Seth's other work over there as well. So uh, that being said, Nate, I don't know if you have a, a vignette uh, from oh, I, Denver or uh, what, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a vignette from Denver, but I do want to give a shout out to Paul from the post game show. 
Oh my goodness. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, Josh. I sure do. This man compared the game to seeing your ex out here in the streets looking <laughs> mighty fine. Then you get back in them sheets and you go, how did I blow a 27 to nothing lead? <laughs> so, look, I know at times we all look back and go, what in the world just happened? But as long as you look up, and yes, Tuscaloosa fan, I know, they state they got three losses. There is no college football playoff that you have to, like, mythically earn. Like, it's okay. Like, they won. And the biggest thing is that they're healthy. And look, if you get together, if you have a moment with your ex, that's okay, too. You know, it, it happens. But now you're better served for it. And so we'll see if the Chiefs can, you know, um, be wiser about how they handle this week.